0: live to give you if you have given your life to christ if you have confessed with your mouth that jesus christ is lord and savior and that god uh, raised him on the third day and you believe that in your heart you are saved god has baptized you in the holy spirit you've been baptized in water he's changed you then you are part of something bigger than yourself. It is not just you and Jesus. You are part of what we call, and the Bible calls, what? The body of Christ. The body of Christ. Matthew 16, uh, Christ talked about the foundations of the church. This is, if you want to know about church, this is how the church started in Matthew 16. Remember he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say you're this one, some say you're that one. Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. In other words, you are the Messiah. You are God himself wrapped in flesh. And he said, Peter, you are Peter. And upon this rock, the rock of the revelation of Christ, of who Jesus is, I will build my church. See, you must understand that there is no such thing as church without Jesus because he started it there was no such thing as church until jesus said upon this rock i will build my church and the thing about it is we have to get the revelation of the rock that jesus is talking about He's not talking about upon Peter I will build my church, but upon the revelation, the realization that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is Christ. So if you have no revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, you cannot call yourself part of the church. So there's all kind of oxymoronic titles out there on buildings, and I don't care, I'll say it, Universal Unitarian Church oxymoron come on now anything that's called church that doesn't have Jesus in it is an oxymoron you're stealing and you're a thief you're using someone else's word and their revelation you can't use it because it's not the church the only thing that is the church is where Jesus is the head and we are the body so Jesus must be the head when you look at this word church many of us are familiar with one of the Greek words that's used to describe church that word ekklesia Anybody heard that word before ekklesia means what the called out ones right and it comes ultimately from a Greek word called kuarikos and it means really literally not only called out but belonging to the Lord I mean, if you really look the word up, I mean, we hear people say it, so we love to use that definition, oh, the called out ones. But it's not only called out, it's called out belonging to the Lord. But there's another Greek word that also is used to describe church. It's only in about 2% of the Gospels, but it's a Greek word, oikos, and this word means home or household. And so when you put those two together, you'll find out that we're the called-out ones belonging to the Lord, but we're a home. In other words, what are we? We're a family. God's creating a family. Come on. It's not just an assembly. See, we, 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 you know, ecclesia an assembly of people. Yes, it's an assembly, but it's further than that. This is a family, and not only that, a tight-knit family. So when I look at the definition of the church, here's my definition of it. A group or assembly of persons called together as family for a particular purpose belonging to the Lord. I'm going to say that again. A group or assembly of persons called together as a family. Come on, that's what you're part of. For a particular purpose belonging to the Lord. The question is not what church do you attend, it's what church attends you. (laughs) Come on. I mean, is it Jesus? Are you part of the family? Are you arm in arm with the body of Christ? Or are you an attender? Do you look from far away? Because I tell you what, Jesus was not a God who looked from far away. Oh, it sounds nice. He's on high and looks on low. But I tell you what, if you've accepted him, he's not on high looking on low. He's right in here with you. He has a relationship with you. He's all in. So our question to ourselves, are we all in? Come on. Are we all in? And so being part of the church, what has he called us to do? Well, it's pretty simple. We, we think a lot of things. You know, the church, oh, uh, you know, what is it here to do? There's many things, uh, you know, social programs and outreaches and all these things that the church is supposed to do. And maybe there are purposes that God has for us as uh, local churches but if you break it down go to Matthew chapter 22 look at this passage of Scripture beginning at 34 It says but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees they gathered together then one of them a lawyer asked him a question testing him saying teacher what is the great commandment in the law Jesus said you shall love your the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. The Amplified there, love your neighbor as yourself, says that is unselfishly seek the best or higher good for others. And so when we, when we look at that, when we juxtapose that uh, to the church and being an attender, can we say that when we come, we're looking for the best in others? I don't know about you, but uh, for me, I have to work at that. I mean, when I come to church, I come to get a word or sing a song. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Spirit, bring me closer. Uh, I need to pay the bills and uh, please provide. Give me provision, Lord. Lord. Uh, You know, grow me up in you. And it's it's a lot about me. (laughs) Come on. But here Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. You're just as interested in your neighbor getting revelation and healing and provision and restoration and deliverance as you are for yourself. Come on, somebody. This is what Jesus is talking about. And not only that, this is not a suggestion from Jesus. It's not a question that he has, would you do that for me? He's, the, the, guy asked, the lawyer asked him, what is the great commandment? And he said, this is the great commandment. Love the Lord thy God, heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbor, commandment as yourself. He commands us to do that. Jesus is not asking us to love God and love people. He's telling us that as a Christian, it's built in our DNA to love God and love people. It is something that we must do. Not so that we can show people that we are Christians, but we must do it because we are Christians. You have to do it. You must do it. And that puts you, now I'm going to say this, (laughs) that puts you as part of an exclusive agency now I'm not saying better than or you look down your nose. no 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 but we just said called out called out come on you're called away from belonging to God for a specific purpose Acts 1, 6 and 8 says this, So when they had come together, they asked him repeatedly, Lord, are you at this time reestablishing your kingdom and restoring it to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs, in other words, the seasons, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power and ability. This is the Amplified. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, And you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. You can't even witness without the Holy Spirit. This thing belongs to Jesus and him alone. That's who the church belongs to. Come on. The church doesn't belong to us. Although we try. We have meetings. We vote on stuff. What are we going to do without consulting the scripture, without praying a lot of times? Because I think we should do it this way, and I think we should do it that way. We want it to belong to us. But when the rubber meets the road, the church belongs to Jesus and him alone. And we must check with him. What do you want, Lord? Which way do you want us to go? I'm getting to a point here. We as the church have a mandate to come together, to be a family, to love to love God and to love people and being filled with his spirit, which gives us power and ability to spread the gospel news about Jesus himself in your home, in your city, in your country, and all over the world. It's a mandate. It's a mandate. You see, when church leaders and members hear and obey the Holy Spirit, the church functions as an organism. It functions as a living organism that God Himself wants it to be. But when church leaders and members govern the church policies by collective by the collective wisdom of man, the church becomes carnally and spiritually dead. It becomes an organization. Come on. The church is God's exclusive agency on earth to minister the gospel to the world through both Christ-like speech and lifestyle. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that we, you and I, we are the ambassadors of Christ. We are the ambassadors of Christ. What I'm trying to tell you is that you're a part of something special. It's not that you just get up and say, well, I better do my duty and go to church on Sunday so I can get that in and check it off. I did that like I work out, you know, I need to work out three days this week and check it off. No, this, you are part of something special. This is a living organism that you're a part of. Why live to give? Because you're part of something bigger than you, the universal church. And in that, God has created local churches. Even in the book of Acts, remember, oikos, home, family. They had had service in their homes. Went from home to home, come on. And out of that, we have local churches, many local churches, and each of us have a purpose to do. We have something to do. So what about us? What about us? What about our part of the body? You know, Corinthians 12, 12 talks about uh, we're all part of one body, though we're many members and we come together. By the way, it also says that baptized by the Holy Spirit into one body. Uh, you just need to take note of that. <laughs> How do you become part of the body of Christ? Look at Corinthians 12:12. 12, 12, baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body. That's a message for another time. But we're part of the body of Christ, the church. And though we're many members, each local church is even a member of a bigger body and has a purpose. We're not here just to get together on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. Come on. He's showing me something. Now, I know you might look around in church this morning and you say, well, you know, Pastor Mike, this is kind of a different message because I was expecting you to break down the word and maybe, uh, you know, give me some revelation, something that might help me personally throughout the week. And uh, that is part of the purpose of the church but I want to get some things established even this morning uh, before we go forward and move forward into our purpose as the life church and as each of you, your families, move more into your purpose. God is showing me a many-membered church. Come on. See, I had somebody one time uh, tell me that, you know what, and it was with good intentions, a great heart, you know what, if our church doesn't grow anymore, people-wise I'm talking about, Uh, that I'm I'm satisfied right where we are I'm satisfied and it but and that's not it doesn't sound wrong I'm not even saying I'm not even talking about right or wrong Uh, you know I mean it's because honestly I I I love the people that are here and this is a great family you know you think about it one way you're kind of like well I don't want somebody else to come in and mess it up you know this is a good family you know but that's not uh, that's not God's purpose for any church any church family it's not his purpose for it iron sharpens iron come on (laughs) and if this is it if this is the pinnacle of where God has taken us some people could be satisfied with that but I don't want to speak for you but I know for me I'm not satisfied because God is so much more God is about multiplication and abundance and over and above and uh, exceeding and abundantly above all that you can ask or think in all areas of our life God makes our relationships richer come on and more satisfying God uh, makes God has the ability if we'll let him to make our job our employment more satisfying a mission field and it will build us up there Come on, he'll do all of those things in every area of our life. And so I'm not satisfied with just what we have. And you might say, well, Brother Mike, you know, I look around and, you know, I'm not sure what you're seeing. But I want to tell you something, that God shows us things in the spirit before he'll show it to us in the natural. Come on, you got to see it in the spirit. I know for me, I see a many-member church with resources to support his vision who will be Christ-centered and gospel-centered who will disciple and be discipled in order to grow to the full stature of Christ. That's what I see. My question for you is, what do you see? What do you see when you look around? Do you see some empty seats? Well, yeah, that's there in the physical. Come on. It's there in the natural. But what do you see in the spirit? Maybe we need to start praying some more to have God show us, to, get, to reveal to us, Lord, where we're going to go. Give us, Lord, a glimpse of the future. By the way, I want to talk just a little bit about faith in just a moment. But I want to tell you that faith is not blind. Faith is not deaf. That's something that the world said, blind faith. That's not our saying. That's not a church saying. That's not a Christian saying. No, the faith is not blind to faith. God never asked us to take a blind leap of faith. That's an expression that the world came up with. God asks us to step out on his word, on what he's showing us in the spirit. God asks us to trust him. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. In other words, you don't see it in the natural, but you see it in the spirit. Come on. You see him spiritually. And God's saying, what I'm showing you in your spirit, I'm asking you to step out on my word. When Peter went to step out of the boat, he didn't already step out and, and touch the water and say, oh, yeah, okay, it's going to hold me up. No, he saw Jesus gave him a word, and he trusted the word of the Lord and acted on that. That's faith. What do you think would have happened if he would have stepped out of the boat without a word from the Lord? Same water. Same storm, but he would have sunk right on down like a rock, the rock that he is. Come on. He would have sunk without a word from the Lord. Because it's not so much that he was walking on the water, he was walking on God's word. Come on. And that's what God asked us to do. And, and listen, what I'm asking you is to have faith in God's word and what he's speaking That's why God wants us to, he wants us to be givers. That's why he wants us to live, to give, to be givers, to trust him and trust that he will take care of you. And not only that, listen, when God takes care of you, I mean, he takes care of you. God knows how to take care of you. Come on. I know we were, we, as many of you know, we we're we we're putting together this trip for the youth to go to the Philippines and 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 do a missions trip, and uh, so we're doing all sorts of things, doing our due diligence. We're doing, you know, fundraisers. As you know, many of you obviously have uh, given and helped to support that, and uh, you know we've done all of that, and we've 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 done our due diligence and all of these types of things. But I believe it, it's a word from the Lord. It's a a word the Lord spoke to me and the youth pastors more than a year ago about this thing and so you say well you know lord we got to come up with what thirty thousand dollars and you know uh, this is just going to be a a nightmare you know trying to get all this stuff together but god is saying listen if you'll just trust me and if you'll believe in me i'll take care of you so we got a note not too long ago that the airlines had cut ticket prices in half now, what, what you have must understand is that's not just one ticket price. That's ticket price for 15, 16 people. That's thousands of dollars that God like that just shaved off. And But that's not the only thing. You can, we can't say, oh, great, that's the pinnacle we've arrived. God said, no, that's just one little thing. I'm just trying to show you that if you'll trust me, what will happen? That's what I believe, youth pastors, that God is just saying, if you will trust me, I'll show you more to come. That's nothing. That's nothing for me to do. I can do that. And I believe that God is saying to us, if you will build my house, I will build your house. I, will, I, am, I am more than capable, and not only capable, but I am willing to take care of you. I know you got bills. (laughs) I know you have needs. God knows that. But he's saying, if you will build my house, if you will build it, I will build your life. I will build your house and I will build your life. If the church is blessed and fulfilling its purpose, the same blessing will be on your marriage, on your finances, the same with your businesses, the same with your children, your education, and the same with your health. If the church is blessed, come on now, if the, ch- the church is God's exclusive, do you realize that God speaks through his local church? That's where the gospel is to come. Nobody rogue out there. Now, I know there's a lot of evangelists, and all, but guess what? They, if they don't, they ought to belong to a local church and be submitted to a pastor. And that pastor submitted to somebody, come on, and on up the line to Jesus, Come on, nobody rogue out here. The church, the church. If we will bless and build the church, come on. Oh, God will build us. Turn over to one more scripture, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. You're familiar with this. I just want to give you four quick points about faith for purpose. Faith for purpose. We're talking about why live to give. It's because we have a purpose. We have a purpose here at this church. And I want to talk to you a little bit about faith for purpose, four things that you need. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 8, the Bible says, and you know it, we call it the hall of faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going, but by the way, he had a word from the Lord. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, Hebrews 11 is what we call what? The hall of faith sometimes. It is there where men and women who walked by faith, you know, God spoke to these men and women, and and he gave them what I call a glimpse of the future. And I believe that's what he's doing to us today. He's giving us a glimpse of the future. And they walked toward that. God showed them, even though they couldn't see it in the natural, we have to understand that faith is active. It's a verb. You cannot sit and stay still and say that you're walking in faith. Can't be still and be walking at the same time. Can't do nothing and say you're walking by faith. And so for us to accomplish the things that God has set before us as the life church is going to require us to walk by faith. It's going to require us to be committed to his vision And his purpose, not only for our individual lives, but his Matthew 28 purpose for all of us to go. It's what he's called us to do, go. And often we feel like, well, you know, before I go, I got to really get myself together. I get myself together and then, you know, I can go. I get myself together and all of that, and then I can come in and I can, uh, you know, be a part of the children's ministry, or I can, uh, you know, join the media team or this team or that team, or I can help out, uh, you know, be part of it, help the youth or whatever it might be. But once I get myself together, God's not saying get yourself together and come. He's saying just as you are, come. Because if I can get your heart, I can mold you and shape you into what I want you to be. You just have to be willing to be submitted. That's all. You just have to be willing to be submitted. If you're willing to be submitted, God can mold you and shape you. He'll break you where he needs to, come on, and it might hurt a little bit when he does it, but guess what? What he's shaping you into is going to be much better than what you are now. If you're satisfied with what you are now, that's one thing, come on. But God has taken us to another place. So four quick things that require us to walk by faith. As people and as a church first thing is obeying <laughs> the obvious thing right I mean I know somebody say duh but the reason Abraham obeyed is because God spoke something to him listen it is difficult to obey God if you don't hear from God but I want to tell you this much it's difficult to hear from God if you don't pray it's difficult to hear from God if you don't ever read your word. It's difficult to hear from God if you attend church three times a year. I'm just saying, "Come on. Think of it this way. If you heard a weather person say,, well, you know how reliable they are." So if you heard a weather person say, "You know what? I know it's sunny today, on Sunday, but Wednesday." We're gonna get eight to 10 inches of snow. A snowstorm is coming on Wednesday. So, if all of us heard that in here today, there'd be a few of us that run out and get milk and eggs and bread. I don't know why people wanna make French toast when, when there's a snowstorm and you're stuck in your house. But we would prepare for it, wouldn't we? Where's my winter coat? Did I put up my winter coat? Do I have boots? We will begin to prepare for it. But my question is, you haven't seen any snow. You look outside, I see the sun. Where's the snow? Why are you preparing for something you can't see? Because you have faith in the word somebody told you about. Now, who's more reliable, God or the weatherman? I'm just saying. Come on. God speaks a word to us. He expects us to take action. Abraham could have given every excuse not to move, but he didn't. He obeyed. Obeying. Second thing is this dwelling. Dwelling. Verse 9 says, Abraham and Sarah dwelt in the land. What this says to me is that they moved to that land immediately. In other words, they didn't go check out the land to see if it was what God was saying was true or not, they didn't go visit for a few months. They sold what they had and they moved there. there was a, in other words, there was a commitment. There was a commitment from them. Come on. I mean... When the Lord spoke to me and said, okay, it's time. You need to be full-time pastor. You're making this money in corporate America. and You're making a decent salary, and you got health insurance and all of that. I couldn't wait around to say, well, you know, God, let me figure some things out, and let me write some things down. Obviously, we all do our due diligence. No, Jesus even said no one builds a house unless he counts the cost. But my point is if you have a word from the Lord, you better put it into action. If you're going to count the cost, then you better start counting. Don't get a word from the Lord and start watching the blacklist. You better start doing something. If you're going to count the cost, count the cost. Do something something to move toward the purpose that he has called you to. What I'm saying is when God speaks something, we're going to have to be committed. If God is saying something to you about your marriage, you're going to have to make a commitment to it. If God speaks to you that you belong to this local congregation or another, you're going to have to make a commitment to it. It's part of the body of Christ. It's active, just like your marriage. If you're not committed, it's not going to work. Most passive marriages don't work. (laughs) Nor does a passive relationship with the Lord. Faith is, God spoke, I'm moving that's what dwelling tells me the third thing is this But watch this now judging yeah I, I said I said that judging but watch where we go with this understand that we make judgments every day and what I'm talking about is correct judging because the same principle applies judge not that you be not judged for with the same judgment you use it will be judged back to you good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, Luke chapter 6. But there's good judgments that we have to make. We make judgments every day, not against people, but we have to make decisions. We make decisions based on what God is saying every day to us. We make decisions on a certain job. We make decisions about a doctor's report. You know, you get a doctor's report, you have to judge whether that's right or wrong, or not only if it's right or wrong, but am I going to do it or not? Some of us say, but we don't do. You're not judging correctly. Come on. We need to judge. Am I going to eat more than I said I'm going to eat? We've got to make judgments every day. Look at the judgments Abraham and Sarah made. Look down at verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. She received strength. The Bible didn't say she conceived right then. She received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age. Why? Why? Somebody tell me why. Because she judged him faithful who had promised Sarah judged a word from the Lord. She judged God to be faithful. You're going to have to judge whether you want to live a kingdom life and an abundant life, a life filled with promises and joy of God, or whether you want to live the way that the wind takes you. (laughs) And you want to take your chances, not being connected to the local church not obeying and dwelling and judging you're going to have to make up your mind what kind of life you want to live you're going to have to judge that even today now that you've heard the word of the Lord God is bringing it to us right here are you in it? I heard a man say I don't know if you've ever heard this or not maybe you haven't but I know I have you play, come on somebody to win the game I'm not just here to mess around. I'm in it. And that's it. That's this Christian life. We're in it to win it. Listen, God's already won. Christ said this, I have overcome the world, have overcome the world. So it's not like we have to go out and do battle ourselves physically because the battle is the Lord's. And I tell you, some of us, that's our problem. We want to battle. <laughs> and God's saying the battle is mine. Here's, here's who you need to battle. Who do you think you need to battle? Come on now. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. You're going to battle. This is who you need to battle right here to get to the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is within you. Thank you, Brother Keith. We, you got to battle self. But too many of us want to battle other people. Come on. That's not your battle. You're going to have to judge and decide what kind of life do you want to live. Do you want to live a kingdom life or not? You can't get there unless you're in it. I mean, I can say all day long, I'd I'd love to lose some weight. I'm so sincere. I mean, my heart is in the right place. I can pray, Lord, please, uh, just 10 pounds. I just want to lose 10 pounds. Help me, Lord Jesus. Please, just 10 Ten pounds, Lord. That's all I need. Five? Can I leave? Come on. Can I lose five? You ain't in it to win it. You're just talking. You're just talking. I mean, you're going to, the thing, the saying is you play to win the game, not you sit on the couch to win the game. You can't win if you're not in the game. So you're going to have to judge what kind of life do you want to live. What kind of life do you want to live? And lastly, concluding. (laughs) Concluding? Yeah, concluding. Verse 17 to 19, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? offered his only begotten son of whom it was said in Isaac your seed shall be called listen now concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense do you understand that we make conclusions every day here's the thing here's what I look at as a conclusion (laughs) in the Lord you have it's it's a it's a peace. it's just a rest because we, we want to battle, we want to fight, and we have stress, and we have worry, we have anxiety, we have fears, and we have all of these things that we go through. And God is saying, look, come to the altar and just conclude that I'm good. Just conclude that my mercy endures forever. Just conclude that my grace is sufficient for you. Just conclude that I am for you and not against you just conclude that the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it just conclude that my desire is to make you the head and not the tail just conclude that I have your best interest in mind just conclude that when you're in a tight spot I'm able to deliver you just conclude that when you're in that same tight spot I'm willing to deliver you just conclude that I can make your marriage better without you going to going through all kind of things and jumping through hoops if you would just come to me and y'all two would come and pray I can make it better just conclude that I'm good and I'm God all by myself just come to a conclusion but we fight and we battle and we go through all of these things and God is saying today just conclude and give up surrender I'm God you're not I can do it you can't you can do nothing without me but with me all things are possible here's what I believe I believe is God I believe God is calling our church to a kingdom lifestyle which is a life of faith, a life of faith, not just an event, not just one service, someone get healed or one service, the Holy Spirit moves. I'm talking about a life of faith, not just in service, but I'm talking about everywhere we go. We walk by faith and not by sight. I believe that God is going to grow this church, but with those who are all in. I don't believe God's just going to add to this church just people to fill seats. Come on. It's not. I, I, I truly believe it in my spirit that God is adding to this church people with faith, people who are all in, people who are willing, people who are submitted, people who are willing to be discipled, and people who are willing to turn it around and disciple and not keep it all to themselves. I believe that there are tremendous and wonderful blessing in, blessings in store for those who make a commitment to God's house. I believe businesses will grow. I believe families will be restored. I believe they will be strengthened. I will be, believe our finances will be strengthened. Come on. I believe that uh, we'll be established and reestablished. We will thrive. I believe divine health will be available to us. Divine health. Not just divine healing, but divine health. I believe that this church will be the light on the hill that's been prophesied over it for so many years. Come on, I believe we will be an example to others and all God is asking us to do is to trust him and be committed. Trust him and be committed in whatever way God speaks to you.